The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? Hope you're all out there having a wonderful time just enjoying your week having a terrific little april here what a time to be alive this is the mma fighting ranking show my name is sean oshadi and we are back again now the dust has settled after just another insane pay-per-view um we're here to take a bigger picture look makes sense of everything and as always i'm joined by my co-pilot he's the king of the north he's either the prince of positivity or the prince of darkness depending on the day he is alexander k lee and ran it out the panel today the man who I called it the second biggest story of the week. He caused a stir uh, during fight week with the unleashing of the best hair in, on MMA fighting, maybe the best hair in MMA media, Jed Mishu. <laughs> and joining us for the first time in a long time, uh, the new king of Miami, Mike Heck. What a special day this is. How are we doing, fellas? Doing so great. I don't think best hair on MMAfighting.com, great website. It, it's like me and Jose are the only ones who, who really have more hair than, than keeping it high and tight and or bald. Yeah, it's like the nicest guy in prison. I've been letting it flow lately. I don't know what you're talking about. I've got my flow going. Is that letting it go? I'm doing a haircut, but I've been letting it flow, buddy. This is, I mean, this is, you, you keep goofy. a professional-looking haircut. I would not I say you it. let it flow. I comb it. AK, what's the <laughs> longest you've ever let that go? This is getting up there. Uh, it's weird, though. I don't know. I guess I've gotten older. My hair used to get really bushy, like like almost like if you guys like have curly? seen like like Gilbert no Burns? not curly just like wild looking like if you guys have seen like old boy did you guys ever see the movie old boy I started mm-hmm. looking like him sure. after a while but not as long like quite as long just more like outward puffing outward I think you need to bring that uh, out Let's I don't think that. anymore you're telling me you have the potential for afro no 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 definitely not definitely not it's not full it's not full it's like straggly looking it's just like dirty it just looks dirty I think we need to see it I'm still intrigued no, it's, <laughs> bad. It's, it's bad it's bad <laughs> Oh, meanwhile, Mike and I are just sitting here, bald brothers forever. So let's dive into it, fellas. Obviously, I mean, there's not really any setup even needed here, right? I think everyone listening to this show by now has probably watched Israel Adesanya's knockout of Alex Pereira at UFC 287 in slow motion, like at least 50 different times. Uh, it's really just a work of art to, to see that performance and, again, the highlight real nature of all of it. Uh, but it seems like it always kind of is when these two get together. I really can't remember a series where the through line for every fight after four fights is just like hey the guy who's winning 
he he's, he's not going to win that fight. Like it's just the strangest dynamic these two have. One of the most cinematic things I think I've seen in MMA, um, and it's really that's like not even mentioning all the little like snippets of lore and backstory that seem to just keep getting added to this series. Like all the light trolling, all the post theatrics from Izzy, him holding just like a secret grudge against a literal child for like six years and not really saying anything, but just like thinking about it for six years and then unleashing it in that type of moment. Like it's all just tremendous. Um, So no surprise here, fellas. Israel Adesanya, once again, our unanimous number one middleweight this month on MMA fighting. Pretty easy choice. I don't think a lot of us put too much thought into it. There wasn't, there's not even much to be said about it. I mean, he's back at number five, pound for pound, pound for pound, I'm sorry, as well. Righted a lot of wrongs with this one, but really, to me, the Izzy piece of this has already been dissected to death over the last few days. So I'm a lot more interested now, right now at least, than the other side, in the Alex Pereira part. How we think of this guy now and really what comes next. And fellas, I mean, this was. Fairly bizarre, I think, how all of it played out on the team. Uh, when you look at our ballots this month for the ranking cycle, AK, you had Alex Pereira, the highest of us four here. You had him at number two. Mm-hmm. And then in descending order, I had him number three behind Robert Whitaker. Mike, you had him at number four behind Whitaker and Bellator champ Johnny Eblen. And Jed, you had him at number five between behind Eblen, Whitaker, and Marvin Vittori as well. So no uniformity at all, two, three, four, five for us. The rest of the team kind of wound up split right around that same range. No one really agreed. And the way it all worked out in the end, Alex Pereira averages out to land at number three at middleweight behind only Izzy and Robert Whitaker. So Mike, I want to start with you since you were sort of right around the middle. You were in the median of this whole thing. A, did we get this right? And B, can you explain why you had Alex where you did? I think we did get this right. And it takes me back to right after UFC 276, which might've been actually the last time I was on the show. And Alex Pereira had just knocked out Sean Strickland. And we were having this internal discussion about how high should we rank Alex Pereira? Because we knew what was next for him. He was going to fight Israel Adesanya for the title. And I think I, at that time, I think I had Pereira right where I have him right now, like number four, maybe at number three, which was, higher than anybody on the staff at the time. And I think we landed in a place where at that time I, uh, it was quite, maybe I ranked him too high and we got to the point where once Pereira won the title, like Jed and I would have this conversation all the time, even though Pereira's is the champion, he might not even be the fifth best middleweight in the world right now, because if you fought Robert Whitaker or fought a Johnny Eblen or even fought a Marvin Vittori, are we confident enough in his ability that he would actually win those fights? And we weren't really sure. So I think with all this, I landed right in the middle of those two things where I think Eblen would beat him. I would pick Whitaker comfortably to beat him. Adesanya obviously just knocked him out, but I couldn't put, I was, I was torn whether or not to put him above or below Vittori. And I just kind of stuck him at number four Pereira is a top five middleweight and anywhere you put him outside of number one, I think you can make a compelling case for, but just kind of looking at it, Whitaker would, I think Whitaker would beat him. I think Evelyn would beat him. Vittoria, I'm not so sure. So I'll just put Pereira at number four, but I think anywhere outside of your top five, you're doing it wrong. Well, Jed, you had him at the lowest, right? You had him at number five, I think. Why? Talk me, talk me through why you sort of because like I, I was pretty surprised when I saw everybody else just give putting him up highly. Like I, I can, I can squint my eyes and I can understand right the argument for having him as number two. He does have a win over you know the unanimous number one. Nobody else does, but like 
I thought we all knew what was going on here, guys. Like we, we talked about it for months. I thought everybody was aware that Alex Pereira was not the best middleweight in the world. He just happened to have the UFC title, but we could none of us could confidently say. I, I remember us being on this very program, being like, I don't know, there might be like seven middleweights who could beat that dude. He just happens to be a tough matchup for the guy with the belt, and he got fast tracked to a title shot because of ancillary things going on. And so I sort of thought that Izzy Izzy knocks him out. We're gonna come back to Earth on Pereira a little bit. Doesn't mean we just we you know we bottom him out. He still got two very relevant, impressive wins in middleweight, but that's it. That's all he has is those two. And I thought we'd see a lot more of a course correction because that feels natural. And that's what I did. Like I, I kept him above the middle class that I don't feel great about, you know, Gegard Musasi, who might be old and washed. I don't know. Paulo Costa, who is going to fight at some point, but is doing all sorts of things. And then, you know, just the rest of the group, but there's been a pretty clear stratification of the top of this weight class for a little stretch. It's Izzy, it's Whitaker, it's Marvin Vittori, and then uh, Johnny Eblind, a, a relatively recent addition to that. But I feel pretty comfortable saying that all three of them have accomplished more in totality than Pereira. Uh, the argument I can see would be made that Eblin hasn't. Uh, of those three, I, I feel very confident that Adesanya, Whitaker, and Vittori should be ranked above him. Eblin, your mileage is going to vary because he's in Bellator, because he's not going to have that many of those fights available to him by the nature of the division. But I think we're all relatively high on him. And so I kind of defaulted to if they fought tomorrow, I'd be extremely confident in Johnny Eblin to beat Alex Pereira. And so that's just, again, I was pretty surprised the deference we gave to Pereira for functionally the one win, right? I mean, your Sean Strickland mileage is going to vary depending on how high people have him ranked. It is still a relevant win. But realistically, it's just the one. And so I thought we'd see much more drop off on him. But people are are, are giving Poetan his his credit, I guess. I mean, it does feel slightly reductive, I will say, in the way that some people, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Jed, but even a tiny bit there, a little bit of just the way, the minimi- minimization of that one win, right? Because sure, it's one win, but it is one win over the guy who has beaten everybody else in a lot of these dudes twice who the rest of the people that we're talking about, right? Like that is one win over the second greatest middleweight. There's a big problem with that win. And it's that he just lost to that dude and rightly or wrongly, historically, we view a single win versus an opponent differently than I won the first one, but he the the more recent one carries the weight. It just is how it always has been. And if they run it back a third time, which I know we'll get to in a, in a little bit here, and Pereira knocks him out, he's going to bump right back to number two. Because I also, you know, to remember, I had Johnny Eblett in number one coming into this previous weekend. You did. Um, you refuse to you give. Did. You have never had Alex uh, Pereira as no, your number one. He's it's like, give me a little more and he's good. I'm not here to say he's bad. He's a top five middleweight by virtue of those wins. But we don't know so much about his game and the other parts of his game that we've seen don't breed a ton of confidence uh, in his ability to have a long-term successful middleweight career. If he even has a future middleweight career at all, 
Dana White is shoving him out the door to 205 in, in the post press. I do I'm not get this. Unclear <laughs> so why, but like this. there seems to be Izzy is shoving him. Everybody wants to be done with Pereira at 185, apparently, except for the fans. So I I felt like five was a pretty fair place to put him. I don't know what I don't know what's happening with these UFC post fight press conferences, but they have just become a comedy of errors and ways of like, hey, what's the worst possible promotional way we could handle what just occurred in this arena? Let's go down that road rather than doing the thing that would make everyone else excited. Like the whole thing is very bizarre for me. But AK, I want to bring you in here because the way this all shakes out, as per usual you and Jed end up on diametric opposite ends of the spectrum of course, on this. Of he goes along with One of us is a man of science and science. One of us is a man of... <laughs> what was you say? I can't remember you said last night. You were a man of uh, I mean, corn nuts or something. Probably vibes. <laughs> I, I, I knew with absolute certainty that AK would have Pereira as number two. Yes. Other people yes. who had him higher than I would have thought I was surprised by, I was a thousand percent certain. Because I know, I know how AK ranks. I understand him because we've we've yes. cleared this up. So yes. I knew it was coming from AK and I accept it. I'm not here to tell him he's wrong. I'm just here to say that I'm more right. So AK, when you see, when you hear the argument, Jed's argument here uh-huh. for Pereira 5, how's it hit you? Well, who else surprised you, Jed, that they ranked him high? I think everyone there who are ranked a him number two, I'll say who it was, but I think everyone. Yeah, I think they all, none of them surprised me though. One of them from our own uh, gear made crews. No surprise. Big Pereira guy. I guess Guy uh, is not as surprising if, if you really think on it. Yeah. Steven, well, and Steven, remember, <laughs> uses uses a very, pretty simple uh, swap system. It's like you beat someone, you take their spot. So that's kind of how, you know, Pereira got number yeah, one. I, now didn't, I didn't see him, it coming from Steven. I didn't think about it long enough to be like, oh, Guy probably is going to keep him pretty pretty tucked up there. Yeah. Guy and Steven are... are you are, wouldn't dare accuse Guy of being biased towards his fellow <laughs> Brazilian. Not at I all. sure would, and I don't uh, blame him because God knows I'm biased <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Guy and Steven are equally brilliant rankers, so I'm glad they landed with him at number two, as I did. I do want, uh, oh, Jed, one thing quickly. Uh, uh, Vittori also, I think, gets the bump like ahead of Pereira because you would pick Vittori. You think Vittori was the, chance to beat was him the one. I, I actually thought about that fight for a while. That because I think... He can't well, be knocked out. I think, he can't yeah, be knocked v- out. Vittori, Vittori I just think, is a, yeah. has a major stylistic advantage in that fight, but when I was considering sure. the rankings... It was between four and five. Pereira was never going to get higher than four for yeah. me, but I did spend a lot of time because, and it, he was also never going to get lower than five. I was never going to put Musasi or Costa or any of those above him. So it was really finding between four and five. Right. And I ultimately defaulted so, to, I'm pretty sure the unkillable Marvin Vittori would just hold him on the floor and it would be a bad time. <laughs> I would love to see that fight though. That fight I would, would be so frustrating. Fight. I am, I, uh, I, so I will say, uh, I'm not super consistent with this, but uh, I am giving per, uh, per, the benefit of the unknown, the benefit of the unknown, as in, I, I you know, listen, he claims that for me, he, MMA math, he claims the number one spot. He beats uh, Israel Adesanya in the first fight. And yes, that means he gets to leapfrog several UFC fighters who are more accomplished than him, have better records, really match up well with him stylistically again. But Torrey, there's other people we can name. Uh, even like a Derek Brunson. I don't know. Derek Brunson could out-wrestle out- the heck out of uh, Alex Pitt. I yeah, don't know. I think Pitt turned his lights out before that happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but either way, there's so many people we think could beat him. But I am giving the benefit of, let, let me wait to see that happen. I am giving him the spot that he. I feel he has earned. 
I don't think he he drops below number two. It's it's not not to be fair to Whitaker because you again Whitaker has certainly done more than enough to be the number two. Uh, 185er in the world. He's the former champion. He's beaten uh, a much stronger resume than uh, Alex Pereira. What he doesn't have is that those wins over Adesanya, which is unfortunate. Which is unfortunate because, of course, the overall resume is deeper. It's stronger. Um, you know, and any if you apply anything more than the most basic MMA math, it does favor Whitaker. But again, I am giving uh, Pereira the benefit of the doubt here. That I do think. He probably isn't sticking around at uh, 185 longer. We will talk about. I know we'll talk more about them, that circumstance, those circumstances later in the show. Uh, but uh, in my mind, I, I would I would need to see him lose to another one of these guys, and it, like before I bump him down. So I don't know. Problem could be solved soon uh, if he does change weight classes. But I I'm more than comfortable uh, leaving him at, at number two. Yeah, I mean, we can talk. We'll talk about the weight class here in a second. But I just want to say because I, I ended up with him at number three, um, which is sort of where I guess it averaged out for us as well as the team. And to me, this one, I didn't. I don't know that I struggled a lot with this one. I, I, I can't discount the Adesanya win, and I definitely can't discount just sort of the rivalry that they've had. Like I know we're not including kickboxing in this, but the man has beaten Izzy three times. However, you want to frame it, he's at least beaten Izzy once uh, in in MMA. He's the only middleweight in the entire sport to have beaten Izzy, and that was a pretty like that was a real win. That was that followed the same script as everything we've seen from these guys. So it's it's hard for me to discount that. And so like I can understand the Robert Whitaker argument because that's ultimately where I landed. Is it's like Robert Whitaker, former champ, also someone who's beaten a lot of these guys that we're talking about. So he just has that resume of you know former champ a lot of good wins in this division, but I can't, I can't put Vittoria there. Someone who has never held the belt, someone whose best win in this division is what? Like Paulo Costa, something like that. Like, I just can't, I just can't put him above a guy like Alex who has this just stunning sensational win. That is the best win of any of these other guys that are non Izzy guys. I don't blame you. Like Vittori, I, I was, I landed kind of where you were. I was like, oh, should I do this? And I was like, no, I just can't. I can't put Vittori above Pereira for the, for the exact reasons that you said. So I think it would be an interesting fight. I think Pereira versus Vittori is actually a much closer fight than the other ones, even though Vittori is unknockoutable in, in a lot of respects, but yeah, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't put Vittori above Pereira. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big question now, it seems like for everybody is what's happening next. And AK, you might be interested to know this. Um, I know you have a certain affinity for polls well we ran a poll today on mma fighting great website uh, i'm so i'm very sorry you weren't consulted in this i i, I can see the rage in your face and i'm sorry this we Listen, should have consulted I, you and brought you I, in can, I can't be on every poll uh if it were up to me my goodness i'll tell you something i would be on every poll that i could be on uh but unfortunately i know that's it's just not possible <laughs> well so we wanted to throw it out there to our readers a simple question who should be next for Israel Adesanya after UFC 287? And the results, as we're recording this today, it's it's Tuesday afternoon. It's around 3 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. Pacific. Uh, I didn't expect where this lands up. But just this, is where, it up. this is incredible. This is how this shakes up. Uh, 4% vote for other, which is really, that means Robert Whitaker. I don't know what else that could mean. Um, 7% voting for Jan Blakovitz who tweeted that he can suddenly make middleweight at age 40 and he wants to let Izzy try to get that win back, you know, shoot your shot, not going to happen, but shoot your shot. 25% end up with Drickus Duplices, who's the right was choice. trying to have his carcass uh, dragged 
dragged across Africa, um, which I have to say carcass is a word too seldom used in fight promotion. That is a tremendous word to be using in any kind of fight promotion. And I'm very much here for the increased use of carcass in any type of conversation we're having. Uh, but really, I don't think it's any surprise between the top two choices. Actually, I guess it is a little surprise that DDP is not in the top two, but top two choices for MMA fighting readers. It came down to this 33, 30%, I'm sorry, for the Alex Perea trilogy fight. And then 33% for Hamzat Shemaev. Oh my goodness. Did not expect this. Um, AK, our readers, our listeners, they tend to be exemplary humans. Just the best people. We love you guys. So takeaways, I guess, for you from the results of this poll, are you surprised? How's this hit you? I'm definitely surprised that Shemaev is so far ahead. I Maybe I shouldn't be. Uh, when Mike were doing, Mike and I were doing on to the next one this weekend, I believe uh, we didn't have too many listener submissions because normally we do a live show. We don't read them out, so we tell people not to send in submissions. Uh, but those that did come in, the majority actually were for Adesanya and Shemaev. I'm not entirely sure why I get that, that there is still this uh, intrigue around Hamza, as there should be, as there should be. I, I am fascinated by him. The next time his fight, uh, whenever he gets a fight booked, whether it's 170 or 185, I'm going to be super jazzed up about it. So uh, I understand the intrigue, but not necessarily the intrigue around him getting a title shot at 185 where he has not beaten a notable name. If we're talking about Alex Pereira's resume, Shamayev has almost none above welterweight. So... Unless they want to cut a 180-pound catchweight belt with Kevin Holland, which is, you know, whatever, that was a fun fight, but I don't think it should affect either man standing in whatever division it is that they're competing in now. So I'm surprised by Shemaev. Uh, other, other than that, I'm not... I thought there might be a little more intrigue around the, the Blachowicz thing. Maybe everyone didn't see the the tweet, or maybe everyone's taking it as a, as a troll, uh, which it certainly could be. Mike, I think you talked about on heck of a morning. You think it's maybe it's a bit of a troll job. Maybe it's like a very well-timed tweet, you know, uh, as the only, uh, only other man. Hey, we're talking beat, about uh, him, is, right? Uh, we're talking about it. And again, I, I, it made me go back and check. I was like, did he ever fight lower than two Oh five? And I went to topology, checked as far back as I could. And I don't think he ever has. I'm not saying it's not possible. He's not a massive light heavyweight. But he hasn't, it does but seem a bit of a funny thing. So he I thought has that previously would, said that yeah. he can make it uh, from back in his kickboxing days. Sure. But he, I don't he's think he can make it. I'm just like saying he, he, he like he's a thick boy. Like well over can, a year ago, he was he talking for about the one I can do this if, yeah. if necessary. Yeah, I think he can for the one fight, but it would be like he's not going to stick around and defend it. So it's almost like why do it? It's a bit silly, but I, I'm intrigued by it. Again, we'll talk, we can talk about that more in a bit. So uh, not not super surprised with, with the results other than what came number one. I thought Trilogy would be a pretty firm number one, like 35, 40% of the vote. So to see it edged out by uh, Shemaev, man, there's just a mystique around Hamzat that you, you, can't, uh, you can't replicate, I guess. So I hope that's not what's next, but if people have spoken and... <laughs> I don't know if Dana White has an ear on this. Uh, maybe, maybe we see it. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm the crazy one here. The prayer trilogy is maybe the one I want the least of all of them. I've heard you and say this. I've heard he, you say this. Here's why. Well, I'll give my argument. Cause we wrote, we did the round table. I wrote up my position. I'm firmly mm -hmm. team DDP. Uh, I think it's the funniest possible of, of the fights. I think the UFC going. I love that you just keep using funny as the word why you enjoy, why you want this so much. Like you said on the post fight show. It's too. hilarious. It's just the funniest <laughs> outcome for you, and thus you want it. 
Look, there are a lot of good reasons. One, it will be hilarious to watch DDP get cratered. Two, the UFC is going to Africa. Uh, you you have the baked-in storyline, real heat between these people. If Izzy had any failings at all this weekend, it was that he said, I want him to win more. And because he he asked to himself, no, he tried in the post-fight to just be like, Go to 205, Pereira. I don't want to do this again. And so who else is he going to fight if Pereira goes off? We're not doing Bobby Knuckles 3. I goddamn hope we don't at least. So he should have had the name. He knows the name. He should have been like, look, this this dude's been talking all sorts of shit. It's insane what he's saying, and I'm going to humble him on the soil of Africa, and then we will establish it. That's the fight for all of those reasons on top of the fact We've forgotten it because of what happened with the Pereira stuff. But right up until Pereira, everybody was the narrative around Izzy was he's boring as shit now. And trust me, he will go right back to being that the moment he's not fighting Alex Pereira, who doesn't allow him to be that way, except for against Strickus Duplessis, who is going to careen forward with his chin in the air, and Izzy is just going <laughs> to light him up. It's going to be the funniest, best fight. There's real heat. You got to do it. Like, you got to do it. Yeah, listen, the fight itself is funny, but as as New York Rick pointed out on the MMA Hour, like, this, this uh, the whole, the personal stuff between them, about who's a real African and things like that, I'm not, it's gonna, yeah, that's gonna it's get bad. Like, it's, yeah. listen, I'm not an expert on the history of apartheid in South Africa. I won't pretend to be, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people who suddenly will become experts on that if this fight gets made. And I'm not saying this fight should never get made, uh, but I think that that part of it is so unappealing. That's and I'm hoping that by the time the fight does get made, so I would like to see DDP like get one more win, that both someone talks to them and just says, let's, let's, uh, lesson no. all this chatter about the real African no. stuff. No, 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 please. This is bad heat. This is it's go not, away heat. I do not want to deal is, with this. Look, I'm you don't moderate the MMA fighting saying, comment section. You don't moderate the MMA fighting comment section, right? You don't know what it is like. You have not seen the YouTube community comments. You, you do not know what it is like out there. Embrace it is bad. shit. It, it is, is terrible. It is objectively no. awful look bad. for a white South bad. African man to tell three black African-born champions oh. that they are other. That's awful. But the UFC has built a business model on selling awful, horrible shit. And do it. Not this. Do it. Dude, the MMA community will not be able to handle this Sometimes you got to drag us forward. And then when he gets flatlined, it'll be the best. Can you guys aren't seeing the big picture? You say, I want to see Drickus Duplessis get another win. (laughs) He might lose because he's not good. (laughs) So, like, he... Any other fight okay, he takes well, is an enormous risk that he will somehow just lose the fight. And what I want, what we deserve as a people, as a fan base, as as men and women of the world, frankly, is to see Israel Adesanya standing over top of the desiccated corpse of Drickus Duplessis doing whatever kind of celebratory arrow shooting, or I don't know if there's some kind of gesture speaking to apartheid or whatever, while DDP is just unconscious on the soil of Africa. That's a moment, ladies and gentlemen, and it's the fight that we should be getting next. Also, 
the original point I was trying to make here, outside of arguing my case for DDP, which I think is bulletproof and correct. The Pereira fight, look, I'll watch it. I'll watch them fight 10 times. They're very evenly matched. It's a great fight. Doesn't it feel like it's extra at this point? Like it feels like it feels like no. the story had its conclusion. No, it Izzy's not. clearly trying to make no, the story out. That's insane to me. Izzy is That's clearly pushing the narrative that he's climbed the mountain and we're done. And then you're just going to run it back again. And it's like, Oh, I think Izzy, I think Izzy's incorrect. I think that's the issue. I don't think well, because he's, the, yeah, Izzy, Izzy missed the mark this past weekend in one respect. And Chael Sonnen illustrated this so eloquently in a way that I had not considered on the MMA hour on Monday when he was talking to our buddy Ariel Hawani, where he says, no one likes a complainer, but people like a complainer if you throw out then a solution, right? So if Izzy comes out here and says, I'm not fighting Alex Pereira, screw that, but doesn't offer anything else, then we're left with this. Then we're left with debating, well, why won't you fight Alex Pereira? This is obviously one-to-one or three-to-one. You didn't, like, this is not over yet. We're at the two towers. We're at Empire Strikes Back. Like, you, there's still something left. But if Izzy goes out there on Saturday night, does what he does, and at the post-fight press conference, he's like, I'm done with Alex. You know, I, I finished this. We finished this off. I want DDP. I need to make him pay for his words. All this, and he, like, just goes in on DDP and offers that solution. I think a lot more people would be on your side right now, Jed, because then. We it would, would be that's overwhelming the, support for that fight. Izzy would be getting that fight. Like that would be the way you can manufacture this stuff and the way you can, if you're the champion, you can sort of navigate these waters. Izzy would have been able to pick that fight if he wanted it. And I think that was maybe the one error. If he doesn't want Alex, that was what he should have done because you're right. That's a very winnable fight. And he just didn't do the Chael Sonnen thing. He didn't offer the solution. He just left the question lingering out there. I have nothing to add. I've said my piece. Yeah, no, it's no, no, it's it's totally it's totally true. Uh, Izzy, as, as great as again, everything was that night. Uh, boy, he really left the door open for that trilogy to be made because it, it's it's one thing to say, like, as you just kind of said, I, I'm just repeating you now, but like to, that you don't want something, but you have to say you want something. You have to say you want you have to have focus. Uh, Mike is this is a, a bit of a broader comparison. Mike has sort of said this about. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, he was saying, I think on, on uh, Heck of a Morning as we, as we record the show today, uh, you got to make up your mind. You got to make up your mind about something, um, especially if uh, if you're uh, Israel Adesanya and you have leverage. You have so much leverage. You have so much leverage. leverage. Dana White he's loves bigger, you. He's a bigger star today than oh. he has been ever. Huge. Dana White loves you. Dana White loves you. He will. Listen, he's never going to take any fighter like uh, uh, requests like 100%. I guess in this, your name is, is Colby Covington, perhaps. But other than that, like, he, he will, he is open to suggestion. He is open to suggestion. It makes their jobs easier. You do. He's yeah, not a great promoter. Write your own story. Tell your yeah, own story. Do some promotion for him. That's why he loves Conor McGregor. He's never promoted Conor McGregor. Well, Conor McGregor is the greatest self-promoter of all time. And he just happens to work for Dana White. Uh, so yeah, a little disappointing there. Um, I do want to say, uh, while we're, while we're saying what we want the most, I, I said this on, on to the next one. If, if I'm waving a magic wand, I do kind of want to see the Blachowicz fight. Um, I don't know if it has any mainstream broad interest. I really don't. Uh, the first fight was, you know, intriguing in its own way. Not like a super exciting fight. But I do think an 185-pound version of Jan could beat him. Because I think there's a myth around surrounding that first fight that, oh, Jan just wrestled him. Like It's like he kind of did in the later rounds. But uh, for the first few rounds, I think he was uh, he was up on two of the judges' scorecards, I want to say, yeah. mostly striking. Jan is a really so good, I would love actually to see a 185 matchup against Izzy. Yeah, I'd love to see 185. I, it'd be a different fight, of course. Again, I don't know what a drained 
uh, Jan Blachowicz would look like. That's a huge cut down, 20 more pounds. Um, but for me, this is a magic wand. If he can somehow cut in a mostly healthy way and uh, this fight can be booked within the next, you know, six months, I'm all for it. But I mean, I think Trilogy is the most realistic and that'd probably be my, my, my second choice. I think I, I have no issue with it. What kind of backwards ass world? Guys, what kind of backwards ass world are we living in? Where the champion of a weight class who's beaten every other dude in the top of it speaks about a potential opponent and says, I will gladly drag his carcass across South Africa. And we're not like that. That's the fight. I've never heard name, someone though, in this sport say, say it. He I didn't, didn't say his name, though, Jen. But we all know. He didn't say his name. We all know. But he also said he has work to do. He also said he has work to do. He, he no-sold him. I don't. I we also it. knew Bilal yeah. Muhammad. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, Jed. We also knew Bilal Muhammad, even though he, I mean, he had the bag and he had butter all over his hands and he wanted to drop that bag on the ground so fast. <laughs> he didn't say Hamza Shemaev's name. And you had an issue yeah, with that because he I, I didn't say the man's name. Not saying yeah. the name. I think we can just say it for him. It's Drickus Duplessis. Fight for the fate of Africa. But he also said keep winning because he doesn't think DDP yes. is ready for it, which I agree with, by the way. Well, so let's do this. So it, let's help the UFC out right now. Uh, in the spirit of the ranking show, we're going to try to do you a favor, UFC, right now. Mike. I'm giving you the car keys to the UFC's matchmaking garage right now. You're, you're Sean Shelby. You're Mick Maynard. You, you have ultimate, you have God mode on right now. You do whatever you want. Rank in order of what you want to see next. Pereira 3, DDP, Shamaya, Blackowitz, Whitaker. What's your order of those five? I, I think I'm going to get some flack for this, but I think we'll start off kind of hot and heavy. I think we'll start off the way most of us are going to start off, and then we'll go from there. Uh, it's Pereira 3. Mostly because Jed said something on Saturday on the post-fight show. I agreed with a lot of what he said. I at least could could see an argument for it. But one thing he said I just cannot get on board with, this is not a back pocket fight. It just it's isn't. Not, it's so it's not. It's not a back pocket fight. This is not McGregor Diaz 3 where you could do it anytime and at, at, at 55 or 70. It doesn't matter. This is a whole different ball game. This is not a back pocket fight. Has to be a main event. Has to be a title fight. And the only way this doesn't happen at 185, like it has to happen now because Pereira is not long for this world at 185. So he might have one cut left and you got to do it now. Otherwise you have to hope Pereira goes up to 205, wins the belt, eliminates some of these contenders. And is, and is he just gets bored? And at that point, like that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of things that need to happen in order to, to, to close out this, this trilogy inside the octagon. So I think you just have to do it now just because it's not a back pocket fight. Number two, I went with Hamzat Shemaev just because, I mean, he's freaking Hamzat Shemaev and I'm fascinated by Hamzat fighting anybody. Number three is where things get a little dicey. It's Whitaker three. It's Whitaker three. I want to see it again. I want to see it again. I want to see it again. The guy has earned his opportunity. I know we've seen it twice. I know Izzy has two wins, but if we're going to, if we were, if we were going to be living in a world where on this show, Colby Covington, Kamar Usman three was going to happen. And guess what? It was going to happen. If Usman beat Leon Edwards at, at UFC 286, Insane. then I think Robert Whitaker has a fine case for his DDP. Because I, I mean, look, as funny as it would be, Jed, and you made a great case for how hilarious it would be. I don't bet on MMA. I don't bet on the sport at all, but if Israel Adesanya is minus 600 or less, I'm betting on Israel Adesanya and betting a lot of money. This fight is not close. It's not competitive at all. Izzy runs him 
over. And as funny as that would be, it's not a compelling fight to be. Oh, I'm sorry. Unless you can do it. That is is insane to me that it's not compelling. It is at the minimum compelling. It might not be a close fight, but that shit is compelling. It's compelling because... I don't find it. I don't find it compelling. I don't find it compelling. He is he is he washes him. This is not a competitive fight. If if they're going to Africa in August or September, and you need a main event, sure I'm in. But I don't think they're going to get there as quickly and as as people seem to think they're going to. I don't think they get there till like next year at the earliest. I agree. With and you. then I'll, I'll be more on board. But until then, DDP and I'm not saying DDP has to fight Whitaker. He can fight Marvin Vittori. He can fight Sean Strickland. DDP versus Sean Strickland. Win that fight, you get a title shot, just like Alex Pereira did. You can make a a much stronger case that Alex Pereira has done more to earn a title shot than Drickus Duplessis has. Because beating a washed Darren Till and beating a Derek Brunson with a with a leg and a half out the door is just not that all that impressive to me. It's a they're good wins. He got the job done. But Brunson didn't want to be there. Till was already half gone from the UFC anyways. Like, this is just star-building wins, and he didn't really do a whole hell of a lot with them. Number five is Jan Bohovic because I think he's full of shit. I think he's just trying to be funny. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, so that's why I have been number five. But I think our own Damon Martin's going to be talking to Yanni Blanco. And if he is serious, if he is dead serious about this, I might bump him up one spot. But... Even that, I still am not all that interested. So it's Pereira three and Shemaev one, two. I like the Whitaker fight. I kind of want to see it one more time. DDP, this is for right now because DDP can go get another win and change my mind. But right this second, it's Whitaker three, DDP, Jan Bohovic. Jed, Jed, how, how sad are you going to be when uh, DDP gets matched up with Sean Strickland and uh, Sean Strickland 29, 28s him across the board? How, how, much of, how much of a bummer is that going to be for you? Now that would be hilarious. I will lose my mind at all of, all of you people. All of you people for being like, we have this wonderful thing. We should throw it in the fire so we can watch Robert Whitaker get stunned on for a third time for some ungodly news. Stunned on? I yeah. Mean, the second fight was... You didn't get stunned on. Interest. Interest. I, I have did. no interest in the Whitaker trilogy, but the second fight was pretty close. AK, what's your top five? Yeah, so like I said, a magic wand. I, I, I'm just intrigued by the uh, Blachowicz thing. I'm intrigued. Like I said, I don't think he. I, I totally understand. Wait, that's Mike, your number one. That's my number one. I said that's my number one. That was my <laughs> on to the next one pick. Uh, officially, wow. I did. I did say I was fine with uh, a number two. Like really, right behind is the trilogy. It just makes a lot of sense for all the reasons that have been listed. I'm. I. I enjoy watching the fight. That's probably one of the, another great reason. Like you just know you're gonna great, get a great fight. Like this one went. Uh, you know, only around in a bit, but man, it was super exciting. Like that's one of the most. The whole closing sequence was like one of the most exciting championship closing sequences we've seen in I don't know in a long time. It was just it was so thrilling and awesome. I thought Izzy was done that that rib roaster. I'm like this guy's cooked. Um. So anyway, that was awesome. I just like seeing them fight. That that's that's the number one thing. Uh, so yeah, listen, Blachowicz is a, is a pipe dream, but I think he's a great style matchup, and it would just be so weird. It'd be so weird, and we completely once again break our already broken pound for pound rankings. I don't know what you do if if uh, Jan Blachowicz goes down to to uh, one eighty five, wins a second title, and ugh, I don't know, it'd be, just be crazy. Can you imagine uh, Jan Blachowicz two division champion? That's how we have to remember him. That's like, <laughs> this timeline has just gotten really bizarre. Third place, Jed. I like the DDP fight, so I would I would put that third. I would put that third. I, I do think it's interesting. I just think it's one away. Hopefully, he doesn't get twenty nine twenty eighted by Sean Strickland. Though now I kind of want to see that, knowing how he's you'll definitely react going to, to get twenty nine twenty eighted by Sean Strickland. 
And then I'll go fourth, Shemaev, which almost feels low. Again, I know I'm going against the will of the MMAfighting.com readers. Uh, it feels low. Again, it's a fun. I definitely I feel like I want to see someday. Uh, but he just has to earn it. He has to earn it. Er, we keep saying earned. We keep saying deserved on the show. I know. Terrible thing to do. Uh, but in this case, I think it's fair. Uh, the intrigue would be there. He's arguably behind the trilogy. Probably the the, the would be the biggest draw. Might people maybe even again based on that poll, maybe even want to see a fresh matchup more than they want to see this third fight. And obviously, he's that he's that dude who they think is just going to run through uh, Izzy. But I still I can't I can't place him higher than fourth. And then fifth, I'm kind of with uh, with most of you guys. I just have no interest in the um, in the Whitaker a third Whitaker fight. Not I'm not saying he can't fight his way back to it. And he has looked great against everyone not named Israel Adesanya. Uh, but I don't know. If he gets it down the road, I'll be happy with it. But seeing it next would just be, I don't know, would just do leave me really, really cold. Jed, what's your top five looking like? You have the car keys now. DDP is number one for sure. It's not close. Uh, number two is going to be Hamzat. And that's, again, that's not a meritocratic one at all. It's just the matchup I'm the most interested in to see what, how, how that goes. Uh, number three, I mean, I would say Jan Blahovich cause I don't think he can do it, but I gotta be honest. The idea that there's a world where Jan Blahovich could somehow be a two division champion is hilarious and compelling. And I, I would like to see it if I get the choice in this, the structure for <laughs> I, I just love that a lot of your matchmaking decisions right now are for the lulls like that's <laughs> that's what your like philosophy is. <laughs> i'm sorry I, i'm more interested in those things because they are more in, like it's much more interesting to be contemplating a fight like okay well what if jan blahovich is a two division champion he has a real shot at it and then how how do we contextualize him historically like this is very interesting as opposed to all right, well, we're going to run back Alex Pereira. And this is, look, if you are going from an from a just looking at the fight itself as what fight will be the most entertaining and dynamic piece and nothing else around it, Pereira Adesanya, because they are incredibly evenly matched. My issue is that watching Pereira and Adesanya, like if they fight again, I don't think I'm learning anything new. I don't think that if, if Izzy goes out and knocks him out, that will not tell me that Izzy is the much better fighter. It will be like, well, he high rolled two times in MMA and he didn't do that in kickboxing. Like if they fought a hundred times, I think they'd both win 50. Like I just think that's sort of where it's at. And so I'm comfortable le setting it aside now and moving on to new different things that I've never seen before as opposed to just watching the same thing over and over again. And God forbid Pereira wins and then shit, maybe we do a fourth fight and a fifth fight. And then we're just doing this forever. I don't need it. I'm not there. It, the only reason it's four is because I have almost zero interest in a, in a third fight for Robert Whitaker. I am sorry for you, Robert Whitaker. It sucks to be rich Franklin, but maybe don't lose the fights and then you won't get rich Franklin. I didn't like it when Max Holloway got a third crack at Volk. I am all, I am just simply never going to support a third fight when you're down. Oh, two, like win the other fights or figure out something else to do, or you got to win like six in a row and God love Robert Whitaker, him beating Marvin Vittori. And that's it is not enough. He needs at least two more wins and nothing else can be going on in this weight class before I'm like, all right, let's fire it up one more time. Yeah. You talk about a back pocket fight. That's 
that's honestly the middleweight back pocket fight. Like that's the last resort is doing the Robert Whitaker trilogy. He was realistically the biggest loser in this whole entire setup. God love him for shooting his shot though. Afterwards. I mean, if Pereira wins, Robert would have probably been next, right? Yeah. Like oh, yeah, 100%. He, goes, he, he goes from being the next up to sorry, bro. You probably just don't have a shot. Yeah. And from like a meritocracy standpoint, he's probably number two behind Pereira. And certainly from a, the, what the actual fight will look like. He's also probably the second most compelling if you're strictly looking at a fight, but the context of everything else, like I just, I don't care at all about the Whitaker three match. And I'm, I know I'm on an Island. I, the Pereira third fight is just like, okay. I mean, if it happens, I'll watch it, but I would love new business. Do, do you think the only way they sell that with like a third Whitaker fight is like, Hey, remember when Izzy lost to Alex Pereira three times and then won the fourth fight? Maybe Robert Whitaker could do the same thing. Is that like the only, <laughs> I honestly have it? no idea how they sell it. It just makes like, I mean, he, he's got Benavides. He's got Franklin's so like, it's exactly yeah, it's what it not is. Not even like he gets to be the Colby and come in and say something shitty because that's that's ddp's corner ddp's hanging on the say inflammatory things <laughs> corner to earn a title shot outrageously or just be like well we're doing this again because they're the two best guys and whitaker's gonna lose again because that's how this goes yeah i mean i'll just run down my top five quickly there's no surprise i've been incredibly vocal over the last 72 you know whatever I don't know what four four days would be hours wise. I'm not very good at math, but over the last three, four days, I've been incredibly vocal that it has to be Pereira for me. And it, like, if I was doing a ranking, like a tiers, it would be him in the top tier. And then there would be like two empty tiers before I get to anybody else. Like this feels like such an obvious pick to me. This feels very bizarre to me that we're, that more people aren't into it. I guess I understand the idea of wanting to see something new, but this is so singular and so special and so magic when these dudes do what they do. And again, the lore at this point, the backstory, like all of these little snippets of just incidences you could point to and moments in these fights and the lead ups and all of it. Like this is a documentary at this point. Like this is a 30 for 30 series. Like this is a multi-episode documentary and it just feels bizarre to me to not want to see the conclusion. Like we just saw the guy who had lost all of them finally get one. That doesn't put them at square. That just doesn't put them at square in my eyes. Like this needs to be resolved and it would be a historical failure like it will be a failure. We will look back in history as just a very bizarre situation. If it does not get resolved, this is so deeply unresolved in my that's, See, that's, I think that's just a disconnect. This feels fine. Like if they never fought again, I'm okay with it. It is. And I, that that's very, I don't, if they fight again, it won't resolve anything for me. That's that was my, like, it won't, I will not know who the better MMA fighter is. Sure. If they go out and it's a replay of their first MMA fight and Izzy's winning and then gets knocked out, I won't have learned anything new. That feels I, definitive that to me. Then. I don't know. That, see, that, see, to me, feel, that feels, that feels no more definitive than if they go out and Pereira's ahead and Izzy knocks him out again. It's like, okay, well, if these dudes just keep going at it, they're go the chips are going to fall on one side or the other. The gods will flip a coin and determine this. It feels like we're covered. And therein lies the one mistake Izzy made, which is again, the chill thing of, if he had gone hard on DDP, this is not a conversation we're having, but the door was left open. And now that's what everybody's debating. Uh, I have DDP as my number two. I just really think the lead up to that could get really gross really quickly. And I don't think MMA and his fan base and just everybody in the sport is ready to deal with how gross that could get. As you said, Jed, the optics of a white man from South Africa 
telling three African-born black men this type of thing is a very, oh, very uncomfortable it, it uncomfortable road where suddenly a lot of people if are going to feel like they're listen, experts. If there's one thing I don't need and never needed, it is MMA fans' opinion on like the history of apartheid. It'll so be, I do it not be awful. No. But no, the no. outcome, it will be a triumphant and happy outcome. Look, I wouldn't be arguing for this if I thought DDP <laughs> had a chance to win it because then it would be horrible shit and the bad outcome. Instead, the horrible shit will then get its comeuppance in a righteous and happy way. But see, that to me is another reason why I'm not interested in this as much because it's going to be the grossest lead up, but it also is the least competitive fight. So it's just, it feels like, like Izzy doesn't seem like a guy we have a lot of these left with him. He was sort of alluding to that in his post-fight presser about sort of kind of almost being done or at least on that road. I don't really want to waste one. Is it a uh, waste? This. Do you but remember say, when, it, you remember, <laughs> do you remember when the Anderson Silva just fought Stefan Bonner? This, this is that fight only with a patina of a horrific nationalism attached to it. It would be great. Izzy would get a highlight reel for the ages in Africa over over the worst person. It would be incredible. We'll see that therein lies the other problem is I don't think they're going to Africa this year. I agree with Mike. I think that's a 2024 thing. That's I will, not something that I will come say that this fight only works in Africa. I'm much I care a lot less yeah. about it than doing it in Vegas yeah. or whatever. For sure. If this is in Las Vegas or Denver or wherever, I'm I'm even less interested in it um just to I, round out my list oh, let me I, just say I, that. I, I also question whether that fight's a guaranteed highlight because I, I i think he would treat him with like the same respect he treats like cannoneer and vittori ddp would uh, just you uh, might get it yeah I, I think he might try to apollo costa this i think I that, that, that seems like a deeply personal one um hamza shamayev is my number three i get it i'm just not i don't know that it's the time for it it feels less deserved than kobe covington's title shot and we just raged for two weeks about Colby Coven's title shot so it feels like it would be silly to flip-flop when it comes to that uh, and then running out I have Jan Bukovic I, I will admit I'm morbidly curious even though there's no way anything happens here and then Robert Whitaker for me is the one I just have no interest in that's my fifth tough times for Bobby Knuckles on this podcast it really is because he was that next guy if Alex just closes that out in that second round on the way that it sort of was trending he was that next guy and now all of a sudden he's not uh, it's tough scenes but he can go to the therapy group with uh, Joseph Benavides and Rick, Rich Franklin, and they can talk him through how to handle this because it's just it's a difficult situation for everybody uh, when it comes to that type of setup. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back on the other side, finish out the show. Man, poor Joey B. At least Rich Franklin got to have the belt at some point. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, closing out the conversation for UFC 287, obviously the other big storyline heading out of Saturday. Jorge Masvidal. This man has now called it a career. It is the end of the Game Bread era for however long the Game Bread era lasted. Uh, and to me, this was such... Um, I don't know, it, it was... Not unexpected, right? But it's it's one of those things where a guy walks away after so long and it forces you to sort of look back on everything he's done and p- try to put it in perspective and sort of do the thing that we do. And the, really, when you look back at Jorge Masvidal, he has such a singular and unique career that I don't know there's a lot of comparisons to, right? Because this is a guy who was around 20 years and really the first 16 of which just kind of another guy like he really seemed to just be destined to be one of those random veterans, the dependable veteran that you can throw in a card, fill out a card two, three times a year, have some good fights, have some bad fights, have some forgettable fights. And then at the end of his run, we'll be like, Oh man, poor Masvidal, really fun fighter. You know, it was, it was good to have him around that type of thing. And he was also like, just AK, you pointed this out. He was really frustrating too, for a long time. Like the, the rebranding of Masvidal as this vicious <laughs> knockout artist was a really late development in this whole thing. Cause if you, you had tweeted this screenshot five years, like the ultimate five hater. years without a knockout, five years without a knockout. Come on. The ultimate hater. That five years and like seven. I think it was like five years and 17 straight fights or something without a knockout. You, you cannot be a, a knockout artist under those circumstances. I'm sorry. You can't, you lose it. You lose the, you're not a knockout artist. From April, 2010, to July 2016, so <laughs> six years basically, Jorge Masvidal went to decision 16 times over 18 <laughs> fights, and six of those were split decisions. And just the whole way through, he was losing to most of the bigger names he faced. Um, he was always beloved by MMA hardcores. But then this thing happens in 2019 and a little bit earlier too, and the way this all ends up, I said this on Saturday, he won. He won the race. Like most of his peers from that era that he started in end up either broke, broken, or both. And Masvidal is out here leaving MMA on his own terms, surrounded by his people in Miami, going home to that ridiculous mansion that we saw in Embedded with millions in his bank account. Like titles are nice, but the name of the game is prize fighting at the end. And he really did win. Um, I'm always reminded in this type of situation of when Nate Diaz coined the phrase reimbursement after the first Conor fight. Like the money he had made from that fight in that series was reimbursement for everything he should have gotten from MMA before, prior to that, and he hadn't. And I always love that, and that stuck with me. And, and Masvidal, he's one of those true OGs that actually got that reimbursement. Um, so keeping with this rankings theme, let's go back for a second, and let's just look quickly at Jorge Masvidal. Mike, your top three moments of this 20-year career ranked. Uh, and let's obviously, let's not include Ben Askren. Because that's going to be number one for I everyone. Was about to so say, I think we're all going to have the same top three moments. <laughs> yeah. and that's the honorary number one. It obviously is. But Mike, when you look back uh, on Jorge Masvidal outside of that, what stands out to you? 
man, I mean, I, I want to be different, but I might as well just take the low hanging fruit. I mean, the Darren Till knockout and then what happened after the fact that that whole trip to London is, is gotta be number one. Cause that changed his life forever. A lot of people, Dana said that flying knee changed his life forever. Sure. There's obviously that was a great follow-up to what happened in London, but everything that happened in London, put him on the map, just colds Darren Till with a brutal knockout. He had been out of action for, you know, well over a year comes back with the long flowing locks. looks like a totally different person and just deads Darren Till and then punches Leon Edwards in the face backstage. And that started the whole thing. The flying knee, obviously whatever cuts the line, the line of his career. Really? Yep. hundred percent. Three piece of the soda with the soda. Number two, what is what happens after Ben Askren? It's a freaking pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden. This man, after everything he had gone through, Journeyman George, all the things people said about him, headlines Madison Square Garden for a, a fake title, which that, that the UFC just created for this man. Fights Nate Diaz. He beat the hell out of Nate Diaz. That fight was not your typical Nate Diaz fight where he could have a moment. No. George Jorge Masvidal runs over Nate Diaz in Madison Square Garden. And I had no issue with the doctor stoppage because that wasn't going to get any better. That was probably the best performance ever of Jorge Masvidal's career. That was the best he ever looked, in my opinion. Number three, I'm going with what happened before all that happened. January 2017, UFC on Fox 23. He was an underdog against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And he beat the hell out of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Another tremendous performance where not a lot of people were giving him a chance. And Mazdal just dumped him, just ran him over, gave him a lesson. And not a lot of people saw that coming, but that was one of those things that I remember watching it. And I was like, eh, I don't know if this stylistically is a great matchup for George. And George was saying a lot. He was talking a little bit in the build to that fight. He was feeling disrespected. He was feeling all the years of disrespect. He was pissed about it. And then he just goes out and runs over Donald Cerrone. That fight was not competitive. So yeah, those are the, th- I mean, there's so, if we do a Dan, they're good. And I'm sure we will on, on George. There'll be so many different layers we can go with this, but just for the sake of this conversation and him retiring from the sport, it's till the aftermath of that Diaz MSG. And then the other performance that really stands out is a Donald Cerrone performance. Cause he, he was pissed and he shut a lot of people up with that one. Yeah, it, 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 we, we almost should have made this like a non-2019. Like you can't pick any moment from 2019. if Because I feel like the, in your top three, it has to have, like uh, as Mike said, the Darren Till, everything that happened in London, and then the BMF, the ascendance to BMF champion. But like I want to say, how crazy is it? He pretty much stole the BMF thing from... Nate. Like Nate, Nate is the one Nate who invented it and, and named him. He, he, he said, I, I want to fight Jorge for the, this specific title. And uh, he, he did all that. He did all the promotional work to create this belt, to pull Masvidal into that matchup, to create this Madison Square Garden matchup. And it's Masvidal who has reaped all the benefits from it. Like, how, how weird is that? <laughs> Nate's promotional genius, that's man. Why, he really is. Okay, that's why I don't have that one in my list of three. Okay, okay. I also did not have that, yeah. Okay. I intentionally, I intentionally left it moment. out because I still think of all of that as Nate's moment. Even if he lost, mm-hmm. and even if The Rock, you know, put the belt on on Jorge or whatever. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, even I that. agree. And I will, uh, for some reason, when I think of that weekend, the first thing I always think of is just The Rock up there talking to like UFC fans at the press conference, talking about, oh, we're doing a Mark Kerr documentary, and no one having any idea who the hell Mark Kerr was at the entire arena. That is my first memory from that fight week, always. 
Oh, it's so great. I was there for that announcement too. I was in the building. I was like, it's the freaking rock. He's got this huge announcement about MMA. He's like, I got this announcement. That is going to knock your socks off. We're making a smashing machine movie. And it was just like three people were like, whoa. And then the other 8,000 were like, who the fuck is that guy? Like it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. But continue. Oh, you got MMA fans loving loving the history of the sport. Um, Mike, that was a, I think the Cerrone one was a great call. That was my number three. Um, and I think one thing to, to point out on that too was that was in Denver, right? So yes, that was kind yep. of in enemy territory because Cerrone, Denver guy, um, and his grandma was there. And there I, there was a great quote from this that I found. This was Jorge after the fight, I think talking to Megan Olivi. He's talking about Donald Cerrone's grandma. Apparently went up and talked to Jorge after watching Cerrone getting viciously knocked out because that was a bad knockout. He says, she killed me, man. That was like a heart blow. She just came up to me and said, that's my grandson and you're a great fighter. And nobody has taken my grandson out like that. I might be a bad guy, but things like that, they get me. I don't want to beat nobody in front of their mom and grandma. I have kids. I couldn't imagine seeing my kids seeing my kids go in there. That hurt a little bit. I love it. That's such, a, that's such an underrated fight. Um, I had that number two for me. I don't know if maybe Jed, maybe you'll go, we go here too. I had Eve Edwards. Oh, yeah. No, uh, just missed. I went with a very different list, but please talk about that because it's a great performance. I'm with I'm with you on that one, Shaheen. I'm with you, you on the you with me, AK. The Evil Dog fight. Kick KO. Bodog fights. Shout out to Bodog fights. You love a ring, don't you, AK? Oh, I mean, I'm with him on that. Ring all the way. But just that was Jorge's signature moment before all this late career turnaround was that head kick KO over Eve Edwards, who was very highly thought of at that point, one of the top lightweights in the world. I mean, even Jorge, the way he talks about Eve Edwards today, like he reveres the guy. A lot of the guys from that era revere Eve in that way. That was a brutal, brutal finish. And you got to show some respect for Bodog fights. And, and you have to talk about where they were at their careers. Like Eve Edwards, that's his, that was his, I'm looking at this now, 45th career fight. 45th. He he had been in the UFC. He had been, this is before his second, his last run with the UFC, but he had been in the UFC. He'd fought for every promotion under the sun by that point before he fought uh, uh, Masvidal. And this was uh, Masvidal's 13th pro fight. He was 22 years old. It was a 22 year old Jorge Masvidal going, going against a suspected veteran and just looks wiping him out. If you watch him. Oh, Fresh yeah. Yeah. The Miami streets, baby. He's a little baby. He looks like a little baby. So, yeah, incredible moment. Anyway, that, that, was, the, that was the moment before. Uh, he became the well, well, well before the, the Jorge Masvidal superstar version that we now see today. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've rounded out my list. I had number one, Darren Till, for all the reasons Mike said. I mean, that's when it really started happening for him, right? The three piece with the soda line is the signature line um, for Jorge Masvidal. Maybe, maybe super necessary is it, but for me, it's three piece with the soda. And that whole, that whole weekend was just a masterclass of how to self promote. Uh, and that was really what started the turnaround for him. So AK, where'd you go? Yeah. So again, I, I would have the same list cause I would put the Eve Edwards on and then I have the three piece in the soda, uh, uh pl- you know, with the Darren Till. And then also I, I still, I still give him credit for the BMF thing. You know, he won, he won. He didn't, he didn't manufacture the moment. He capitalized on it. Still a big deal. He's the BMF forever. Uh, again, it's not a real belt, so it's not something he can technically lose. Uh, I do hope they do something with the belt going forward because I do think it's a neat gimmick. So whether he vacates it or whether he decides to fight again, you know, and, and cuts his retirement short, uh, I hope that's an option. I will throw in this isn't his moment, but he is he is uh, he is inseparable from the Toby Amada 
uh, inverted triangle choke. So, you know, this, listen, thank if this you were, for if bringing this that were, up. It's not this my dam, moments, but yeah. it's one of the first things yeah. I think of when I think of him. You have, if we're doing a proper dam, we would, you know, when we do the four fights, the Mount Rushmore fights, we sometimes include fighters' losses. I would have to throw this one on there because uh, he was he was tuning Toby Amada up. Like, if you can go back and watch that fight, he was going to win a decision. And then gets caught by the most insane submission I, I think I had seen up until that point. Uh, again, I, people know I'm sort of a uh, a newer MMA fan, and I, I've gone back to watch stuff. I think it's the first inverted triangle I've ever seen in it MMA. It was. It absolutely was for me. This this was a certainly the first one that like jumps off yes, the page. This was a huge moment for, and also just be this is a huge moment for Bellator. This is the kind of highlight that they needed at that time to get people talking about them going, like, Oh cool. Like, Oh, there's another promotion. That's not UFC. Um, I'm not saying it rocketed them to like this. It went like super viral or anything, but for people who were, you know, sort of paying attention to it made the time and wondering what's up with, um, you know, uh, options outside the UFC with some of the other promotions that had unfortunately like disappeared. Uh, that submission was really, really, really talked about at the time. And, uh, so a very cool moment for everyone involved, maybe not for, uh, um, also, Aldo. called by John Anik. Oh, geez. Wild. That's wild. I didn't That's realize that. That's a fun. That's a fun fact. He was the Bellator announcer for that season one. Yeah. OG. He's an OG. So yeah. So I would have the Amada thing like kind of like an honorable mention, even though it's not really a particularly great uh, Jorge Masvidal moment. But otherwise, yeah. I listen. I, I do the. I'm going BMF. BMF winning the BMF uh, for three piece Minnesota, and then uh, Yvette was head kick. What about you, Jed? I'm so disappointed in y'all right now. <laughs> I can't. Look, I, I knew where we'd all go. And so I made some efforts to avoid it. Look, Darren Till has to be number one. Not even, I mean, the KO is a great KO. It's a comeback KO. And then the three-piece in the Saudi, add all that, has to be number one. But removing that, I've got three more I want to talk about. The first one uh, will go down as my number two. Uh and it'll be Michael Chiesa fight, uh, which I, I think doesn't get the the same love. A good one too. Chiesa was one. nine and zero at the time. Like Chiesa is undefeated, uh, tough winner. Dude, dude can grapple his ass off, and that's frankly one of Jorge Masvidal's best wins in retrospect. Like that has aged well, whereas many of, if not most, of Jorge's wins have aged poorly. We're just like Michael Chiesa is submitted Benil Dariush. He submitted Benny Dariush and Roy Masvidal hits him with the Bravo choke. Like that's a, a damn good win over an undefeated dude at the time. And in sort of a tweener stage, he Masvidal had just come in uh, from strike force, uh, had lost the strike force lightweight title or lost the, a fight for the lightweight title against Gilbert Melendez. But you know, we're seeing where he settled out and he's fighting a tough winner and taps him with a Bravo choke, which is sick. So that'll come in my number two. Here's why I'm disappointed in y'all. Well, I guess first I'll throw an honor, my honorable mention. I'm not disappointed in this. Uh, do we remember when he and Michael Bisping had beef? Cause that was funny as hell. Yeah. Uh, that was always just my favorite. Cause I, <laughs> that was at the time I remember being like, Corey Masvidal could, could beat Michael Bisping in a fist fight. If, if, if they squared off, that, that's definitely could happen. So I just wanted to shout that out. Cause I didn't know if anyone else would. But you all up. You all left up. It's it's arguably the biggest rivalry of his career. And I can't believe you guys left it off. It's Hori Masvidal versus Ray. 
in Kimbo's boatyard. Come on, guys. Oh, it started of it course, all. Of the originator yeah. of yeah, bare yeah, knuckle yeah. fighting, and you guys aren't even uh, gonna give the uh, man credit. You're right. He's out there in jean shorts, just tuning this dude up with the top knot waving all around. You said he came back for, with the long hair, totally different look. No, he went back to the long hair after years of getting away from his roots. I cannot believe I'm the only one to have brought up Ray. It's a great I thing. This has been pick. this has been this has been your your damn they were good for Jorge Basvidal preview preview. We will do. We will get it a proper episode. He sure uh, will. And there will be a lot of talking about Ray. I'm sure. Oh, love the Ray fight. That's a great pick. That's a great great pick. <laughs> I'm astonished. That does Ray have a last it. name? Does, does Ray have no, a last he's name? He's like Cher. He's just Ray. He's like Cher. It's a yeah. mononym. <laughs> a lot of those dudes were like, I remember Afro Puff was one of what the Kimbo guys. Like, I just name. love that. Yeah. Like, I just remember, I just, all that's burned in my brain of watching all that in high school. Can you, RIP Kimbo always. Can you imagine if Kimbo hadn't died and Bare Knuckle is on the rise, we would have a oh my Kimbo God. Slice Fight Bare Knuckle League and it would be the best. I would be, I would watch that every day. I think about what if Kimbo hadn't died at least like two to three times a week. RIP, man. Like just in various circumstances, like could he have been involved in this? What if he had been involved in this? Oh, what if he had fought this person? What if he had... He would have just, been the best elder statesman for this sport. Oh, would have been the best. To, for him to miss the celebrity boxing era is a tragedy. The it's social, a real, the, 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 the influencer boxing era, my God. My God, he, I mean... There was, there was a lot of money for him to be made over <laughs> yes. this. Sorry to bring I mean, such a downer, out. guys. I'm sorry. I'll no, bring it back up. I'll bring it back okay. up because him versus Dada was is still, still the single. I've been to a lot. I've been to a five. lot of MMA events over the course of my career. That is still the most fun I have ever had an MMA event <laughs> by far. By far, it is the Pereira three on the tier list of this, where it's there, and then there's like two oh. tiers below before anything oh. else. Like that is the. Full I remember circle. Luke Thomas. I covered that with Luke. And I remember him just heckling those dudes mid fight from press row because of how ridiculous everything was. Like Booker T was like 10 feet away from us cackling the entire time. Uh, I've said for years, entirely serious. It's one of my favorite five favorite fights of all time. It's like Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Kimbo Dada there. It's just unimpeachably so, great entertainment. It's one, the, it's one of the few times I've gotten home from a fight week and on that Sunday immediately dialed back up the fight and watched it like 10 different times and made my wife watch it, made all my, these people like it's my friends the best watch it. Fight. Like it's the, it's just, it's amazing. so fun. It's so good. If you haven't, if you're listening and you have never seen it, now's the time. So uh, happy trails to Jorge Masvidal, uh, as we were talking about, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, happy retirement, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> we went down, guys. We went down a well there. I'm just saying, we went, Shane, you you are the I could, you are the host. You are supposed to keep. The, we are co-hosts, but I trust you to keep things so on track. Back the curtain before we started this section. It was let's try and keep this this tidy. We don't need to go uh-huh. on too many rants. And now uh-huh. we're talking Kimbo Dada. Look, Ray. anytime I can get a chance to talk about Kimbo Dada, I'm, okay. I'm going to take that opportunity. Uh, but no, I mean, you're right. Let's keep it moving. We have one last thing to get to today. And that's some some hellos, some welcomes, and some sad goodbyes as well, as we do now. Uh, we're going to pour some out. 
at the end of this episode. But first, let, let's bring in some new blood. Welcome in the fresh blood, making their debut in the rankings this month on the ranking cycle. Uh, and fellas, this month there were three names, three new names entering our rankings. Uh, and I'll go through them quickly and then we could talk about it. First, Luana Pinheiro. Uh, debuting mm-hmm. number at 14 straw weight. She is 4-0 in the under UFC properties now, 3-0 in UFC proper. Beats Michelle Waterson Gomez. Split decision. I think, you know, mildly controversial decision, but I thought it, I thought it went that way. Uh, also has wins over Sam Hughes and Random Marcos. She is now in the straw weight ranks. Straw weight continues to uh, just be a very compelling division in my eyes for the UFC. Uh, also, Movlid Kabulayev, number 15 featherweight. We've had him in the in the rankings before. That's a welcome back. This is a welcome yeah, back. This is a welcome yeah. back. We missed you. Uh, that was his first fight since October in 2021. Of course, 2021 yeah. PFL champ. 22 fights now without an official loss from this guy. He's probably, pretty good. Probably underranked, frankly. Yeah. Um, Jed, you, I think you put him back above uh, Brendan. Am I correct? Brendan Lockney. Am I correct? Did you put him back above uh, in your ranking? I don't know if I ever put him below brendan did i i don't know I'm i have not, him above Lockney as well and he has a win over him a lot of people on yeah. our team do not have it that way i've had i've had movlid uh firmly in the same spot for like ever yeah he, listen that. we we know if if uh, movlid had not gotten injured last season there's a very good that. chance <laughs> yeah. he spoils this the beautiful brendan Lockney uh fairy tale uh so i i am still giving brendan his uh his i did not rank movlid this month but uh, it, like I said, I'm going to let that one play out. You know what? L- L- Brendan got his spot in his absence. Absence. They're probably definitely going to fight at some point this year, whether it's regular season or in the tournament. And then it'll, it'll you know, there you go. They'll, they'll decide for us. I do think he's probably the favorite. He has to be in my eyes, the favorite. Yeah, Mobley, oh, for sure. Mobley, uh, yes. But yeah, well, good to see him back. And then finally, keeping with the PFL theme, wouldn't you know it? It's funny talking about this man on a day where we're talking about Israel Asanya so much in a weekend where we're talking about Izzy so much. Rob Wilkinson, who last fought in the UFC against Israel Adesanya, got washed in Izzy's debut. Number 15 light heavyweight in the world now for us. Number 15, he makes it. He is now 7 light heavyweight. Six finishes during that run. 2022 PFL champ. He takes a unanimous decision over Tiago Santos. Welcome, Rob Wilkinson. Of those three fellows, which is the most intriguing, and who do you think has the most staying power? I mean, staying power has got to be Movlid, right? Just because he's actually good. I think I agree with you. <laughs> um, whereas Lana Pinheiro is like maybe not terrible, and Rob Wilkinson is fine, but it, he's he's propped up by competing in a just awful division. Whereas Movlid Kabalev is like actually a good fighter. Well, the so. thing is, that's why Rob Wilkinson may have more staying power because I think he can rise higher at one. That 205 competing in PFL than Movlead can competing uh, in I PFL, know, right? Man. I think, like, I think if if Rob Wilkinson wins the rest of the season, I'd have no problem putting him above like Ryan Span, uh, maybe above uh, Malikin over in one chair. I mean, I know we love Malikin, dude's a beast, uh, but I don't know. I'm a lot of random stuff happens Malikin. over there. <laughs> I think it's much easier to move up 205 than it is featherweight. That's the thing. I, I don't know. Like, if Movlid wins the season, what's his ceiling? Are we putting him above? Oh, actually, he could go above like Bryce Mitchell. Mm, zombie's gonna I, retire i will yeah. be willing to move movlet up much higher if he continues to be undefeated at a very good weight class fighting all right, all right. solid contemporaries so all right. uh my guess is he has the most staying power but i can at least see the argument you're making ak because it is Carabin. easier to st- hang around a bad division it's not good but it's not good it's a- 
it also took a lot for him to get ranked. And because I know we talked about this before, like maybe we should have had him ranked before, but it's just, it's just awful. So it took <laughs> a lot for him to get even where he is now. I will say AK might have a point looking at this light heavyweight roster for this season of PFL. Um, you got Ty Flores in there. You got Will Flurry, uh, the carcass of Christoph Jocto, who already lost. Uh, the middleweight, former middleweightiest yeah, middleweight champion. Heavyweight, Christoph Jocto. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a murderer's row. We'll just say that. So I think Rob Wilkinson might have a, a second mill in his pocket by the end of this. We'll see. Oh, I think he's for sure going to have a second mill. I'm just not sure he's moving higher than... 13 in our rankings <laughs> which really again just goes back to the point of like if you're i don't know alexander rakic like why are you not just going to the pfl and winning a million dollars my man like this is a real missed opportunity it's not uh, as you, easy as it looks you're talking about jorge masvidal winning fighting no rob wilkinson is winning <laughs> fighting right now him and ante delijah are winning fist fighting I, there is no counter to that. And, and you know who else? And I want to shout her real quickly. Larissa Pacheco is winning fighting, by the way. I think she's going to easily win. actually beat people who could, this is true. could squint she's your good, eyes. And say she's very good. good. Yeah. Yeah. She's and, good. And we, we didn't have time for this in the show, but I will say she jumped five spots in the women's pound for pound rankings. She jumped from 16 to 11 on the cusp of the top 10. That's about as high as I think Kayla made it to number 10. I want to I want to say I don't think any higher. Yeah. I think Kayla Harrison made it high as 10. I don't. I hope Pacheco can rise higher because she's like she finishes fights too, which I think helps a lot. I think that helps the optics a lot. I'm really excited for her chances of like of pound for pound relevancy, like just increasing as as the the season progresses. So yeah, I, yeah. I just gotta give her quick quick some quick Pacheco love. No, that's a good shout. Um, and then obviously the opposite side of all mm. these these welcomes is the fond farewells that we have to send these people out. And so we're gonna have to pour pour one out for three names that I think at least two of which have been in these rankings for a long time, if not since we started them. And one uh, that is maybe surprising as well. First off, Michelle Watterson Gomez tumbles out of straw weight after losing to Pinheiro. She's 37, one in five in her last six. Probably is the, I don't know that we'll see her back in this rankings, but this almost felt long overdue. Um, but we'll see. Tago Santos as well. Making way for Rob Wilkinson. He's finally erased from light heavyweight. He was clinging on to that last 15 spot. He loses the PFL debut. He's 39. He's one and six in the last seven. So again, I think this is a tough one. And then, you know, I don't, I didn't expect to be talking about this uh, this time last week, but Adrian Yanez loses his number 15 bantamweight spot with his first UFC loss to Rob Font in highlight real fashion. One of the surprises of the card this past weekend to me, he was six and zero in UFC properties prior to that five KOs. And, you know, I don't think this is the last time we'll see him rank, but for, certainly right now he's not in it of that group. Who makes you the saddest Watterson? Cause I still have a ranked. I still have Watterson ranked. She won that fight. Hold it on to it. Hold it on to the dream. No, she won. She should have won. Um, and there's just not a lot of great, 15ers right now right at the moment so you can still make a case that waterson is one of the 15 best 115 pounders in the sport right now and she's been competitive with pretty much everybody she's fought like you know what i mean like you can she could be zero and six she could be like three and three you know you know you just i thought she won the pinero fight i thought she was very competitive um 
in the fight prior to that, before she got stopped by Amanda Lamosh, I thought she had a, like a really good first round. It was looking good in the second until she got caught in a sub. I think Watterson's fine. Uh, I didn't, I didn't actually have Yanez or Tiago Santos in my ranking. So didn't do too much for me. Um, but I kind of felt like Watterson deserved to, to stick around a little bit longer with the way that strawweight division looks right at this moment. So yeah, kind of stinks for her because I thought she won the fight first of all. And second, I still think she's one of the best 15 best 15ers, but that's not saying a ton. Just, there's just not a ton of them right now. You guys want to know my favorite stat from this past weekend? Uh, Michelle Waterston landed 18 of 114 head strike attempts. Wow. I am not here to say she didn't win that fight. <laughs> I honestly didn't care. That fight was awful. But that's a stat. I have no interest or I care. <laughs> I'm not going to be. She, I, I see the argument for her winning. Totally fine. I just can't possibly be sad that a woman who lands 18 of 114 attempted head strikes is dropping out of the rankings. Just do more, do, do better, not more. You're doing plenty, but do better. And then maybe you can make it back. I'll, uh, I'll pour one out for Tiago Santos for my head. Uh, he's very likely not coming. Well, I shouldn't say that the PFL, the way the PFL season goes, he ain't coming knows? back. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Stop Listen. holding on to the dream. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. This is the PFL light heavyweight division. Remember, if he scores a knockout, it's only two fights. He scores a Shoot, knockout. A first round knockout, he makes the playoffs. He makes the playoffs. And then I don't know. He comes back. He he has a rematch. Rob Wilkinson wins it. There's a path for him to come back. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. But uh, I do want to pour it out because he's of the that same, that that uh, that two fight, uh, you know, John Jones cluster with Dominic Reyes, where both guys had a case for winning that fight and just precipitously fell afterwards. Uh, Tiago Santos hung on a little bit longer because he wasn't getting brained, uh, you know, in the in the uh, fights after that. But uh, yeah, it is kind of weird to see him go because he was that that close. That close to being UFC light heavyweight champion, uh, Reyes left the rankings a while ago, and now uh, now we see Tiago go. I'm with AK to pour one out for for Maheta. Not even for Maheta leaving the rankings. Just pour one out for when he used to be fun and just a marauder, <laughs> so much fun. and then <laughs> so much and then fun. he just stopped being a marauder, and he's just losing. And so it's you had a good run. You'll probably get a damn somewhere down the line. So. Pour one out because you're not Adrian Yana is coming back, so we don't have to pour one yeah. out. We just he'll be back. Meta, happy trails, buddy. Man, yeah. that that early that late part of 2018 when Meta made that light heavyweight debut and went on that run of three fights, three bonuses, three KOs. Oh man, Super some of those fun. KOs, the Jimmy Manoa KO in particular was insane. Hell of a rewatch if you go back and rewatch that fight. Just a crazy fight. When we do the damn, we will good, we were good episode for Tiago Santos. It's going to be a really fun one because I think that is one of those guys that almost like why that show was created, right? That's exactly why the show was created. Like, how many Tiago Santos conversations can be having? Are we going to be having fifteen years from now? But like that dude gave us so many moments where it's just sad to see him go. Sad to see him go. I gotta say though, I, I I'm pouring mine out for Adrian Giannis because I know that we'll probably see him back. Uh, but I'm bummed out that it's not happening yet. Like I really was excited for his sort of elevation into this elite group at Bantamweight. And I thought it was going to happen and I was stunned that it didn't. So I'm sure we'll see him back. It's not, it's not, it's goodbye for now and we'll see you later, but 
I don't know. That bummed me out. Experience matters, man. I mean, yeah, that's, Mike, that's the mantra of the card. Experience matters. You said it leading in. So, yeah. I mean, look, he'll he'll be back. It's just now you got to figure out how we want to match make him. I hope Adrian takes a little bit of time off. I hope he doesn't just rush back in there. But I think there's matchups at 135. Doesn't have to fight a ranked dude at this point. Just get him a win. They they got something with this kid. People like him. Even even in a loss, like people aren't ripping him except for Tony Kelly. But Tony Kelly is Tony <laughs> Kelly, and he doesn't really have much of a leg to stand on. If we're being honest, but he'll be back. Just match make him good. Let's get him a highlight reel and get him back in the rankings. That's all. Yeah, it's we'll see you later. More than anything else. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for us today, fellas. Appreciate you. As always, this was a lot of fun. This has been another episode of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Keep it locked to MMA Fighting uh, as we continue on down this path now to UFC 288. Aljo, Cejudo, lots of good stuff there. And also just a couple of events in between. It's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. As always, I appreciate you, fellas. That man is Mike Heck. That man is Jed Mishu. That man is Alexander K. Lee. I am Sean O'Shotty. We love you. Keep it locked in when fighting and enjoy the fights. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.